We're in the, the third, third week, week of our study, study that I'm calling follow. And if you haven't been able, able to be here for the previous two weeks, I'd love to tell you this because uh, our folks have been working hard to perfect this little system. And it's still working the kinks out. Sometimes we get it full, but sometimes we don't. But we think we've got a handle on the recording for the sermons. And if you would like to listen to these messages, they are on the internet. You can just do it for free at uh, your leisure. And when you've got some time in your busy schedule, just go to Kerrville Church of Christ uh, website, hit media, and then you'll find the sermon there. Today is a full day for those of us at KCC. And, and we're, we're looking, looking forward to the golf tournament. tournament. I'm looking forward to the golf tournament because you don't have to be a great, great golfer, golfer to play. As a matter of fact, fact, most of the folks who are signed to play are better gardeners than they are golfers. And we, we know, know that because when they're out there, they, they move a lot more slow than they do a golf ball. Come watch. Sheila Peck was, was helping me get in the mood and in kind of the, uh, the spirit of this weekend. And she sent me these funny quotes from a caddy who was guiding, it looks like, golf enthusiasts more than golf experts. Listen, Listen to these, these funny, funny one-liners. One, one golfer, golfer said to his caddy, I would move heaven and earth to break a hundred on this course. The caddy replied, I try heaven, sir. You've already moved most of the earth. Golfer, this is the worst golf course I have ever played on. Caddy, but this isn't a golf course. We left that an hour ago. Golfer, do you think it's a sin to play golf on Sunday? Caddy. I'm afraid, I'm afraid the way you, you play, sir, it's a sin on any day. day. And then and here's, here's my, my favorite. favorite. Golfer. Do you, Do you think, think my game's improving? Caddy. Yes, yes sir. sir. You, you missed the ball much closer now. Uh, I really, really want to invite you to come miss the ball with us this afternoon. afternoon. But if but you can't, can't make the golf tournament, we're going to help you join us for pizza afterwards. What time is that going to get launched? Six o'clock, please, come, come and enjoy, enjoy some pepperoni, some sausage, we're going to have all kinds of, I think it's Domino's that's bringing the pizza. pizza. But we, we hope, hope you bring yourself, uh, because, because a lot of times we just can't get together and catch up on weeks and what's going on in your life, and this, this is one of the times that the elders have set aside for us as a church family to do that. So at six o'clock, even if you can't come play golf, please come and eat this pizza with us. Let's pray before we get started. What an exciting morning, Lord. So much is going on here at this church family. Our heart is really to support any and everyone we can get a Bible to. So thank you for the people of Eastern European nations and their passion to get Bibles into the hands of those who've never had one. Father, we're full rock. Most of us have three or four or five on our shelves, maybe one on a desk somewhere. Um, we're full rock to be able to have access to your word. We just want to tell you thank you. Thank you so much for the privilege of getting to help others enjoy what we've had for so long. Father, we thank you for um, the launch of Summit Kids today. Just, just the, the beginning of increasing the excitement uh, towards our launch date in December. We are so thrilled uh, for all the people who have poured themselves into just getting us this, this point. We know we've got further to go, and so we're asking your blessing to be upon them. And then God, we're also asking your blessing to be upon this service today. Father, we are thrilled that just like the Thousand Hills Cowboy Church, that we have brothers and sisters all over this community who are lifting up the name of Jesus, breaking bread together, remembering what an incredible sacrifice you made in sending into this world, and hearing the gospel preached. But Father, more than anything else, we pray that we leave here living the gospel wherever we go. We need your help to do that. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear first, and then in hearts that are willing to live what we hear. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said, Amen. 
Now, now just, just in case, case you have going through your mind, mind you know, I really, really like to play in that church golf tournament, tournament. And, and Jimmy's, Jimmy's inviting anyone to come, come. But, but I really don't think, think he means me. I don't qualify to be able to play well. I like the skills. I like the money for the green fee. I don't have my own clubs. I don't even have golf shoes or golf clothes. I know they're saying anybody can come, but they really don't mean it. The truth is we do. We really do. And if any of those things are lacking, you want to play this afternoon and be a part of anything that's a part of this family. All you, All you need to do is find me or one of our girls, and we'll try to get you ready to come and join us in anything. Because we've learned from Jesus, when he says anyone, we're to mean anyone. And so we're saying today, any part of this, anyone is invited to come and be a part of our family. Now the reason why I'm serious about that is because I'm leading us to a series of studies that I believe it's important to hear from Jesus himself. What it means, what is required to be, be a follower of his. his. Now, there, now, there are requirements. He makes, he makes it very, very clear there are some very specific prerequisites if you want to be considered in, if you want to be considered among, to be a part of the team. And so, so I want to invite you, please stay with me for the next couple of weeks as we keep looking at what Jesus says about what it means to follow him. Now, last week we saw in the life of Peter that one of the requirements is that you have to realize if you're going to be a follower that you're disabled. Some of you who weren't here, what do you mean you're disabled? Unless you realize you're disabled, you are not able to be a follower of Christ. Jesus shows us himself. You've got to come to a point in your life, we see in the life of Peter, that you realize you're at the end of yourself, that you can't, but he can. Now, we watched it, and I'm not going to rehearse the whole sermon, but we watched it in Peter last week as he toils all that long, doesn't fish, doesn't, does fish, but doesn't catch anything. And he's, and he's there, there listening to Jesus preaching. Jesus challenged him to go back out, not at night when most people are fishing, but in the daytime when nobody fishes. And Peter, in that moment, experiences the catch literally of his lifetime. And when he sees probably the greatest haul of fish he may ever see in his lifetime, he's not counting fish, he's counting how unworthy he is to be in the presence of someone who could help him do what he had failed at for so long. You don't, you don't become a follower of Jesus because of what you can do or because of what you've done. You become a follower of Jesus because of what Jesus can do and what he's done. Amen? All right. Until you really say, I'm disabled, can't be a follower of Jesus. Now, I know that's kind of wild thinking. That's a prerequisite, but it is. God needs to know that, that you, you know, you're not good enough. enough. You're not, not wise enough. You're not moral enough, enough to be his. But he can do something about that. You say, well, Jimmy, what do you mean, mean not good enough? enough? I mean, come on. Peter was having a little trouble catching some fish. How does, How does that compare with not being able to hold a job? How does that compare with not being able to stay off your mother's Xanax? How does that compare with not being able to stay out of jail or out of strip clubs? Come on, Jimmy, it seems... Christians somewhere, sometime, are always inviting me to come follow Jesus all of my life. And it's about like your invitation to come play golf today. Sure, if you've got the right clothes. Sure, if you have the right amount of money. Sure, if you know the right etiquette. Then you're in. But listen to me. I don't have that. 
Friend, I've got some good news for you. When Jesus says anyone can be a follower of his, he means anyone. Jesus has his own list of prerequisites. He has his own requirements. And I'm asking you, please set aside everything that you know that you may have thought you knew about that list and take a look with me at the people that Jesus calls to follow him. Because I believe by looking at those people, we can determine exactly what we need to know to be in. Now, you, you may, may be surprised, but the first person he calls is a disabled fisherman. <laughs> you can be even more surprised at the second person that he calls to follow him, at least in Matthew's gospel. It's a tax collector, and his name is Matthew. Now, if you're new to Bible study, you're going to love this story. If you're a little anti-man, you're a lot anti-Christian. You're not sure there really is a God, maybe even if this is his word. You're still going to love this story. It's written by... Matthew, the one who actually the story is about because he is allowed later by God to use his inspired eyewitness account of Jesus to be placed literally at the first book of what's called the New Testament. In it, we're introduced to what I think is in simplicity what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what the text says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man by the name of Matthew. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he said, follow me. And Matthew got up and he followed him. Now I tried to think this week, what kind of a person would parallel the type of person that a tax collector represented or was in Jesus' society? And the closest that I could come up with was this. Imagine a 33-year-old drug dealer who's dealing drugs to your middle high schooler behind a gas station. That's a tax collector. How you would feel about catching that person dealing drugs to your child behind a gas station is how people felt when they walked up to a tax collector to pay taxes. Rome auctioned off the right taxes to all of their provinces, and wealthy Roman citizens, you've heard the phrase, takes money to make money? Well, wealthy Roman citizens bid on those rights to collect those taxes for Rome because it was very, very lucrative. Y'all recognize this symbol? You do if you've been watching sports lately. Very lucrative to be a tax collector. When these people won those bids now, they weren't very different from the wealthy now. The wealthy didn't get their hands dirty in the midst of all that. No, they go hire somebody to do that for them. They're locally. Matthew was one of those people that was hired. There were all kinds of taxes. Building tax, shop tax, toll road tax, food tax, income tax, bridge tax, wine tax, kiss your wife tax, all kinds of taxes. Now, I know this is hard for you to get your mind around here in America. All kinds of taxes for everything. And people were sick of paying taxes. Amen? Amen. And, and so were they. But, but you don't have, have to look at the people you pay taxes to. They, they did. They did it with their hands and in person, and they, they despised those people. No, they hated those people. Because, because they knew they weren't just paying Rome's tax, they were paying enough to sift their pockets, and whoever was above those pockets, they hated this. And they, they saw these people as traitors. <laughs> They had a class of people in Jesus' day that they just called the sinners. In that group, which is the lowest group of people on the face of the planet, 
the drug dealers, the, the prostitutes, prostitutes, even among them, they, they would say, well, at least I'm not a tax collector. Have I painted the picture here of somebody you really, really wouldn't want to see anytime, anyplace, anywhere? That's the backstory. When in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus walks up, and I don't know whether he's paying a lake tax or a boat tax or a fishing tax, whatever, but he walks up to Matthew's tax booth, and he could have said a lot of things. One of which was, maybe, I bet your mother's just really proud of you. Now, you know Matthew's heard things like that, and much, much worse. He could, he could have, have said, said a lot of things, things. but here's, here's what, what he says. says. Follow me. Follow me. And Matthew can't, can't believe his ears. Not from this guy. guy. Now for, for those of you who were here this early on in Jesus' ministry, he's, he's building this stage of his ministry where he's putting together his Talmudim. That group, that group of disciples, disciples that's going to follow him around, he's going to pour his life into them, they're going to listen up, pay attention, and then they will leave and become rabbis themselves. And we know already that one fellow's been at least asked to join. He didn't make the cut of the Talmudim when he was a teenager. We saw last week it was every Jewish boy's dream to become a rabbi on the level of a Super Bowl MVP, on the level of an American Idol winner. Every, Every Jewish, Jewish boy studied and worked hard to become a rabbi. And if they didn't make it at an early age, around 13, 14, 14 to 15, if they just didn't have the right stuff, they went to work in the family business. And so we know one of those is in Jesus' town, and when he walks up to Matthew's booth, it's just Peter, who knew what it was like not to make the cut. Because remember when Jesus calls him, he's fishing. He didn't get to be one of the rabbis. He's working the family business. And Jesus, and Jesus walks, walks up to him, him and says, You've got, got what it takes. Come follow me. And in, in that, that moment, moment for Peter, Jesus is trying to do what he's doing. In this moment for Matthew, he's trying to do what he did in that moment for Peter. And that is to erase an ugly, ugly word from his life. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I've had, had that word attached to my life. life. On, On several different, different occasions. Unacceptable. You don't, you don't get, get to make South Texas, Texas Tennessee. Tennessee. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I don't know, know what, what that is for you, but what, what an ugly word. I don't know, I don't know if it runs much, much deeper than just some membership in some club or some team that you didn't qualify for. But I have an idea that in this room here, just maybe, that word is attached to jobs you weren't able to keep, to habits you weren't able to break, to relationships you didn't break, to parenting skills you didn't have. It is, it is an awful word. word. And a tax collector got to hear it and see it and live it often. Peter is stunned out of his mind, I have to believe, when he walks up and hears him, of all people, invite Matthew to follow. 
Now, now I, don't I don't know what he was thinking when he was, he was first asking. He's, he says, yes, yes, well, then there's Peter, Peter Andrew, and James, and John. I mean, they're, they're all kind of together. But, but who's, who's next? Who's, who's going to be added? added? I don't think he's thinking a tax collector is ever going to receive this invitation. But in front of Peter, he does. Now, I don't know how this all came off. But, but I, I try to put, put my imagination, imagination to this little bit of text of Matthew and fill in some of the gaps. gaps. But, but I, I can possibly hear Peter going to Andrew. He's like, invite him? And Andrew's saying, well, it's one thing to be invited. I know, I know this guy. guy. Don't, Don't worry about, about it. it. He, he wouldn't know the truth if it bit him. him. He's, he's closing, closing up his shop. He's loading up his lunch. Peter is following now, to, to us, it's no big This is just a preacher telling, telling a story here, but for these guys who are living this life and know what tax collector means, it is bizarre that Jesus would offer him the chance to be with them, to be in, to be part of the posse. But if it's stunned Peter and Andrew and James and John, let me tell you what's stunned more than anybody. It stuns Matthew. You want me to follow? A lot, a lot of other names besides, besides unacceptable, unacceptable were attached to Matthew. That anybody would want him is bizarre. And he wanted to be wanted. And so he says yes. Now I just want to say, if that's a nerve with you, please listen up. Because if the words unacceptable have been practically tattooed on your life, for the way you've looked, the way you've dressed, or the thing you didn't do, or the thing you hoped that you would do, because, because of the jail time that you've done, because of the friends you've chose, because of the things you've worn on your skin, or in your ears, or your nose. If, if any of that has made, it, made you feel like unacceptable is a permanent tattoo on your life, my hope is somewhere in this meeting today, either in the songs that we sung, or someone who just greeted you and said hello, or, or, or the, the prayers, prayers that have been, been prayed, or, or, or this random of a message, that some way, somehow, you'll hear in Jesus Christ, anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. Now, I know sometimes I don't mean that. I'm trying to mean that, but Jesus meant it every single time. Anyone is welcome. First prerequisite, we learn from Peter. you got to be disabled. Second prerequisite we learn from Matthew. you got to be unacceptable. And know you're unacceptable. Now, I know you're thinking, wait a minute. Unacceptable doesn't disqualify me? No. It pre-qualifies you. Listen to the word of God in Romans 3 verse 10. No one is righteous, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers are on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Wow. Who's he laying that on? He's laying on people who think they're the elite in God's eyes. The spiritually elite, he's saying that about. Now that's part of the Old Testament where these people have been studying. No one's able 
No, no one's, one's acceptable? No. Not, not without, without God, God in your life. life. The Apostle Paul wrote those words directly to people who thought their righteous behavior entitled them to a better standing with God. And Paul wanted to know in no uncertain terms, the only thing that keeps you before God is Him in you. That's all. Peter shows us prerequisite number one. Unless I'm disabled, I don't get in. Unless I am unacceptable, I don't get in. Now how is that for qualifications to follow the Son of the living God? Jesus didn't say, I'm Matthew. If, if you're, you're willing, willing, fill in the blank, blank then, then you can, can follow me. Matthew, if you're willing to start, fill in the blank, blank then, then you can follow me. Matthew, if you're willing to stop, fill in the blank, and follow me. Didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't give him some kind of ministry project to do. He said, I'll check back with you in three weeks, and if you've been able to follow through on that, then you can follow me. All he says to Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew, the unacceptable one, is this. Listen, church, follow me. I'm just asking you to follow me. I know some of you are thinking it can't be that simple. That's not what I've known all my life, and I've been around some church people. Because, because what, what I've heard, heard is, I have to get acceptable so that I can be accepted. I have, I have to change in order to join. And I'm, I'm here, here to tell you, I've heard that too, but it's not Jesus' way. way. Watch Jesus. Two words. Follow me. Now remember, he's doing more than just asking him to walk with him through the market, okay? He's, he's asking him to be in his Talmudim, his circle of, of disciples, to watch him, learn from him, and then go and be like him in the world. He's, he's going to identify himself if he says yes with this tax collector. And he's, he's going to ask his tax collector to identify himself with him. And Matthew leaves everything to do that. And i got to think... That while he's, he's writing this account on a parchment somewhere over some candlelight, he's smiling when he comes to this next part of the story. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Really? Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, is that not crazy? One minute we're at the... the, the the tax booth of one of the low lives of society, and then the next minute we're having a barbecue at his house? Is that normal? In Jesus, it's normal. In Jesus, it's normal. Having dinner at this person's house would have been huge in this society, but not anymore than it would be at your house. Running into people out of the marketplace who are unacceptable is one thing. Having them in your house for dinner, or worse, maybe going to their house for dinner, that's a whole other thing. It may not be normal, but Jesus wants his church to understand he expects to be the new normal among his followers. Can I play a little bit of license with the text here? If I go too far, you'll be new services. But can you imagine when he lets Matthew know that we're, that we're going to go to your house, house for lunch, that there might have been a little conversation on the way, what do you think they might have said to one another? Would this, this be too far-fetched? Matthew, um, with the burgers, you got, you got green chilies? No, no, but I know some people who get you some green chilies. 
Well, well, why, why don't, don't you, you invite, invite them, them to come? come? Really? really? Invite them to come? Yes, invite all your friends to come. Really? They are going to freak out. My, My house, anybody, anybody can come. come. Yes. And they, and they did. did. And when, and when they, they get, get to Matthew's, Matthew's house, it's not, not only his friends who have gathered. There are, are some religious teachers known as the Pharisees, the, Pharisees, the Bible says, who are trailing Jesus kind of like the paparazzi trails of our celebrities. Because they, they want to see if he's legit. They want to know if his teaching's legit. They want to know if his miracles are legit. They're kind of like the IRS of spirituality in Judaism. Are all the T's crossed? Are all the I's dotted? That's the Pharisees. And they show up at this little soiree at Matthew's house. And they're, and they're just, just a little, little disappointed and a little perturbed that their, their rabbi is representing their faith by partying with, with the unacceptables, with, with the sinners, with, with yes, even the tax collectors. And they, they are everywhere in the room, up on the deck, prostitutes, drug dealers. What is up with this? Here's, Here's what's, what's up with this. You follow Jesus through these Gospels, <laughs> and it is going to stun you at how comfortable Jesus is with people that weren't anything like him. And apparently those who were not anything like Jesus, how comfortable they were with him. You would love having been around Jesus. Have you ever met someone who was comfortable with themselves, and when they walked in the room, all of a sudden they made everybody in the room comfortable with themselves? Someone who's, someone who's not so good-looking that they're intimidated to be around, someone that's not so brilliant that, they, that they're obnoxious with it. I think that was Jesus. Nothing really to remember much about his looks, nothing really to remember. Well, he was one of the most brilliant people you'd ever been around. But, but oh, when you were in his presence, you just felt, you felt great. I think Jesus has a way of doing that with people. Even though, even though he was God, God in the flesh, even though he was God, God in the body, some way, somehow, when you were with him, everything just felt better. Now, our, our Savior was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were like him. And they, they flocked to him. And you're going to see that over and over again. And then we come to this part of the text. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's, it's one thing to show up and be disappointed. They, they want to know publicly, what is going on here? Now, now I don't know how that got to Jesus. Was it through one of the disciples? Was it over the privacy fence? Was it through a window? But somehow or another, those words get into where Jesus is. Because they're upset. You're representing our faith here. You read our Torah. You're a rabbi for, for, for the Jewish beliefs. And you're with them? What is going on here? And somehow or another, Jesus responds to that question. Now, this is a little chilly. It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Now, again, imagine if you're Matthew. And you're about to get your big old scoop of guacamole. And it's your party Jesus is at. Your friends are around. And he says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. Do you, Do you think, think that, that might get your attention? I think, I think this may be a head of Matthews. Jesus, Jesus you're guest in my house and you say that, really? That the, the healthy ones, ones are out there, the sick ones are in here? I mean, that's me, they look pretty sick out there. Am I right? Are you calling us sick? 
And I don't know how this went down. Whether well, Matthew said anything or was just absorbed and they went on. But can't you see Matthew saying to Jesus, or rather Jesus saying to Matthew, 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 you're a tax collector. Look, Look around, around at what, what your friends, friends are doing. doing. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're sick, sick, guys. High five. You're, You're a sickle, Pastor. This is all Barabbas. They do to be like sick. Your mama's sick. Now, now that's, that's what people say at a party like, like this. How does all that hurt? I don't, I don't know exactly. But all, all I know is Matthew does hear from the words of Jesus. I didn't come here for the well people. I came for the sick. And it was said at his party. Let me just say to any one of you here who know that you're not a follower of Jesus, you know you're sick. You know. You don't live up to your own rules. You're not consistent with the behaviors you expect of your kids. Forget Bible's rules or God's expectations in some church. How about your own code of honor? You, you know, know there's, there's a credibility gap in your character. character. You, you know, know there's a distance between who you want to be and what maybe somebody else could help you to be. be. And, and that gap hurts people. Innocent people. people. You, you know, know enough about, about Jesus that if he is the standard, you don't measure up. And you, you don't, don't need some, some preacher in the pulpit to say that to you. But I think Jesus was so winsome. I think, I think Jesus was so comfortable in his own skin that he could say out loud, I'm, I'm here, here for sick people, not for those who think of themselves as well. And, and I can see Matthew high-fiving Jesus back and saying, dude, that is so offensive, but you know what? You're right. I do need help. Church, please listen to me. Only married people, only college students, only teens, only addicts, only businessmen, and doctors, and daycare workers, only people on food stamps, only people with country club memberships who are willing to look inside themselves and say, I am sick. I am unacceptable. Get to be followers of Jesus Christ. Only people who say, I know I need a new path. Only people who say, I know I'm a mess, qualify as followers of Jesus. This isn't the only instance you're going to see this next week when Greg is teaching up here, and he's talking about the story of Simon, you'll see it again. In a couple of weeks, Miguel and I return from the little r and I'm going to be teaching you the story of Nicodemus, and you'll see it again. Over and over, Jesus says, regardless of whether you think of yourself as a religious elite, or whether you know you are, you are anything but elite when it comes to spiritual things. You're really unacceptable. Jesus says we start here. Now, Jesus is never being offensive. If you think because he's winsome and people can feel comfortable with him that he's never offensive, that's not Jesus. He's not, not only offensive with, with the people who are sick here, but he's also offensive with the people who are outside. He says to them, send a message outside to those Pharisees. Or maybe he says as he leans out the window, hey guys, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
Now, now that's offensive to these guys, because that's all they do is learn. I mean, 24 hours a day, they're studying and debating scriptures and what they mean. They're writing papers on them. They're delivering lectures on them. They know the scriptures found in Hosea. They quote it verbatim. But Jesus says, I don't want you to quote it. I want you to learn it. God is not content to be with people who just believe the right things and behave the right ways. Jesus has come to minister to people who don't understand maybe at all what the right things are to believe and what the right ways are to behave. That's who I've come for. Regardless of how needy they look or all together they look, regardless of how wealthy they look or how impoverished they look, Jesus says, I'm here to call those who are unacceptable, bankrupt, and poor. If you know the Beatitudes at all, you know the very first one begins with this. Blessed are the poor. For there is a kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're thinking, you're a Jesus follower, and you're not an admirer, and you don't fall in the category of investigator, you're really who I want to talk to for two minutes, and then the lesson's yours. For those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Christ, we dare not become a church that is content to just believe the right things and behave the right ways. Because, because if, if we, we do, we may find ourselves standing outside the very place that Jesus inhabits as he comes to call sinners to a new life. I don't want to serve with a church that is all about just believing the right ways and behaving in the right ways and forget that what we've been called to do is to go to the people where they are and to help them to see anyone can follow this Christ. Anyone can follow this Christ. I know that churches that are just concerned about believing the right things and behaving the right ways become Pharisees. I know that elderships who just concern themselves with believing the right things and behaving the right ways, they become Pharisees. I know preachers who concern themselves with believing the right things and behaving the right ways become Pharisees, and they forget that the mission that we've been given is to go and to find anyone we can who knows that they're unacceptable and say, you can follow Jesus. You can be one of his. There's a fellow by the name of Todd Eldridge, who people used to call the Miller Man, who's grateful somebody went to him. People used to call me the Miller Man, writes. That kind, that kind of stuff happens when you're successful in the beer business. When I say successful, I mean it. Plenty of money, a couple of boats, second home, three cars. Sure, I had to work longer hours than most people, but I didn't get to see my family often as a result, but I didn't care. I thought it was all figured out. Looking back, it's clear now that I was lost in so many ways, but at the time I thought I was on the road, everyone else wanted to be on. As for my marriage, well, I was acting more like a husband to the beer business than I was to my wife. But I still couldn't see where I was headed. That all changed when I had an encounter with a man by the name of Art Nolis. Art was one of those radical Christians, the kind who does crazy stuff to get people far from God to wake up and pay attention. At a convention in New Orleans, I saw Art carrying a huge cross, literally. He was, he was walking, walking around with this enormous slab of wood, physically strained and just carrying it. 
And I told him he was going to hurt himself carrying that thing. But Art turned and looked me in the eyes and he said, God has a plan for your life. For some reason over the next three months, I couldn't get that thought out of my head. God has a plan for my life? What even, what even did that mean? What was this plan for me? Two years after Art planted that seed in my mind, she and I were invited to an Easter pageant performance. Before I had a chance to decline, my wife agreed we'd go, and I was less than excited, I'll tell you the truth, to be there anywhere on the property. But once the story of Christ's life got underway, it hit something deep inside me. Seeing the way Jesus seeing the way Jesus sacrificed for me and the way he suffered and strained for me, I was moved. Thinking of how our nobles suffered and strained just to get my attention. I realize now how serious faith in Christ is. I knew Jesus was calling me to follow him, but I realized what that meant. It would mean leaving behind my career and my title of Miller Man. There was, there was no, no way, way I could follow him without walking away from him. I worked, I worked hard, hard for myself and for the beer business, but these days I'm giving everything I have as a follower of Jesus Christ. I never would imagine that Jesus could use someone like me to be a part of inviting others to follow him. These days, Miller Man is known as a follower of Jesus who is a Christian who has a Christian radio station that spreads the invitation of Jesus to thousands of people every day. My, My name is Tenen Eldridge, and I am not an admirer. I'd like to think of myself as a father, but I've got to confess, church, too often I've just been an admirer. I've been enthusiastic about Christ. I've studied Christ. I've preached for Christ. But I've got a long way to go in following Christ. How about you? Really? Realizing that you're disabled is a prerequisite? Yeah. Realizing that you're unacceptable is a prerequisite to be a follower? Yeah. I think I can handle those two. Is there more? Da. Oh, yeah. Father in heaven, we come to you because we don't want to be satisfied with just being admirers. We want to be followers. Whatever it is you're asking us to leave behind, maybe that's just where we start. Just leaving. Just saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Would today you help someone take that first step as they hear your invitation? Come on. Come on. Follow me. I know they don't know what they're getting into any more than maybe Peter or Matthew did. Any more than any one of us did. But Father, we're asking that you would come in the midst of these great songs of Sunday about this wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer of heaven. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? You are the one that we praise. You are the one that we adore. You give the healing and strength that we've been looking for. Oh, God, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for letting us know we could follow you. We've messed up a lot of things. We want to get this right. Please help us fix our eyes on your son and not take them off until we get him right for the sake of ourselves and for the world. 
In Jesus' name, the church said. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stay in this thing. Go ahead. But as you're doing that, we're going to have some elders that are down front, some guys at the back who are ready for any and everyone here today who's ready to take the very first step of saying, I don't know much, but I'd like to follow. I want to go all in. All I know is what I've got to leave, and that I'm leaving that behind today. Come, Come do, do that, that with me. Come do that with one of the elders. elders. And we'll, we'll help, help you take, take the very next step. Let's sing, church.